You're listening to Nats Talk on the Go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the Go, Special Ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Well, hey there, Craig. How are you on this lovely, I don't even know what this week is. I'm trying to come up with creative intros and I've got nothing. How are you today? Uh, I'm better than I have been in eight days. Well, that's good. So yeah, that's pretty great. Things are improving. Um, yeah, I've had a migraine for the past eight days. So that's, that's to anybody who's had a migraine knows that's that's a good amount of fun. Yeah, so it's been it's been rocky, but uh, coming out of it, I think uh, I'm ready to record a podcast. It's going to be an interesting one because of the prescription strength drugs that I'm on. That he, you, you're just uh, dying to get that out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, a, it's, it's a disclaimer. I, it's a disclaimer. I feel that my speech pattern has been a little bit off uh, the last week uh, due to, you know, focus issues and all that kind of stuff. So I feel that I sound funny and that my syntax is kind of strange. So I kind of want to do get it out there now um, just in case something gets slurred or whatever. It's... Not because of the usual slur reasons. <laughs> well, we uh, you, the disclaimer is out there, but I think you sound great, man. I think oh, you sound great. Thanks, and bud. This is our dedication to this show that we're doing it in in, in this way. Hashtag so, professionalism. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> so professional that one of the hosts does it on narcotics. That's right. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about some baseball. I love talking about baseball. It's been... Uh... The Nats are playing really well right now. I want to say they've won eight of their last ten. They've been playing really good baseball at the moment. Playing really good baseball when it counts. Um, Obviously, having an expanded bullpen makes a bit of a difference, and you don't have to. You can play a little bit more matchups. You don't have to worry about uh, anything like that. But on top of everything, the starting pitching has been uh, doing well with uh, substitutes. Yeah, they've they've really been holding their own with uh, with some sub options. Um, that not being suboptimal, just oh, sub, I was, gosh, I wanted to go there yeah, so bad. Substitute options. Uh, so it's pretty pretty good to see the team. Like you said, they've won eight of their last ten uh, and have been playing really well. So it, it's good to see that happen at this point in September when <clears throat> things are all but locked up um, and. The the thing that since the last time we recorded though that we obviously have to spend some time talking about is, uh, well I guess the fact that Steven Strasburg is not dead, yes, which uh, is a positive development. When our recording uh, finished up, the last time we recorded, <laughs> uh, Steven Strasburg has just left the game injured and everyone's worst case scenario was the only thing going through anyone's head uh, was that Steven Strasburg had blown out his elbow. He would require a second Tommy John surgery. The quota and the uh, Strasburg shutdown plan had been a disaster and failed. And the nationals now had a pitcher with two Tommy John surgeries that they owed $180 million. Yeah. I mean, it was really, you, you saw the narrative happening. And I think last week in the post show, we actually talked about that a little bit. We kind of like, we talked about it while the outro music was playing and we were like, Oh my God, what's happening? I mean, we really thought it was worst case scenario. You just, the way that he threw that pitch, the way that he looked down at his arm afterwards, just that, that look of like, Oh God, on his face. Like it was pretty, pretty concerning. Turned out to just be, uh, some, some swelling, some inflammation. Uh, a flexor mass strain. Strain. Okay, there it is. Flexor mass. Thank you for remembering what that was because yes. I couldn't. Um, so it was just the flexor mass strain, which could, I mean, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. But it's it not has the, a it has the potential. UCL. Yeah, it has the potential to, uh, he could pitch in October. Um, there are pitchers within the last year. I'm struggling to think of examples uh, right now. But I believe there was definitely one pitcher. That, uh, Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller. Yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, he was pitching four, five, six weeks later, um, effectively. Right. And then there are other pitchers. I believe Homer Bailey is an example where he had a flexor mass strain, and then he ended up having to have Tommy John surgery. Right. I mean, that's it's it's not like 
this, it's, it's the, not nothing. If it had to be something, it's a, it's the better case scenario, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be something more serious at some point for Strasbourg. It's, it's a good case scenario for now, not best case scenario, a good case scenario for now. Uh, but it also, you know, could bode for things not awesome in the future, unfortunately, after the Nationals just gave him yeah. a bucket of money. He's definitely not out of the woods. Um, and when we say that he can't, he might be able to pitch in October, doesn't mean he will. Obviously, everyone heals at a different pace and everyone's body is different. Um, so just it's possible, but I wouldn't necessarily get your hopes up that he will be there. Right. Um, I'm sure he's doing everything within his power to be there because, uh, as we all know, he missed out last time. Um, and he really hasn't, he feels that sense of an obligation that he wants to be there to help the team as much as possible. And if he's at all healthy, he's going to try and force the issue. But once again, as we've seen the nationals, uh, and especially now that they've made such a financial commitment, uh, to him, they won't want to take any chances. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. The first thing that entered my mind when I saw it happen and the, my very first thought was feeling terrible for him because He's gone through all of this crap with the 2012 shutdown and then, you know, the 2012, uh, 2014 postseason not going the way that anybody wanted it to. Um, and then the thought that he could do what he's done all year, which is nothing short of being one of the five or ten best pitchers in Major League Baseball, and then come to the end of the year and have this, and you go, are you kidding me? He's going to miss out right. on another postseason. And right. who knows and for how much longer, honestly. And on a season where he would be a top five Cy Young contender. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, With a strong finish. Yeah. And so you feel bad for him in that regard. Um, you just it, It's a good case scenario. There's a chance that he pitches in October. You know, it's, it's, it's obviously hard to handicap those things. Do you have a, a gut feeling on whether or not we're going to see Steven Strasburg in the rotation for the first round of the playoffs? No. I don't not. think there's any way. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think there's any way still. I mean, it could happen, but I think it's pretty unlikely that by the, you know, the end of the first week of October, he's going to be ready to to pitch with I think any the sort earliest, of thing. Earliest you would possibly see him would be uh, on very light, short duty. I mean, light obviously being relative. Uh, second half of a. CS series. Yeah, I could see him being on the championship series roster. Like, I could see that being a possibility. Um, because that would be, if the Nationals got to that point, that would be, you know, five, six weeks after the injury. Um, but I, it's still really hard to imagine uh, him making that, being ready for that first round in any capacity. Yeah, I think I saw that uh, if he misses the exact same amount of time that Andrew Miller missed he would be back for game one of the NLDS. I think really? The Nash- yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That would be um, that would be way sooner than I would expect. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw that if it was the same amount of time. Obviously, I don't think that's going to be the case because right. uh, kid gloves and it's and very, not every injury is the same. And not every injury is the same. And it's also very hard to uh, get back up to playing shape this time of year. Right. Because there's no such thing as a rehab start. And we're looking at that right now with Joe Ross. Right. Yeah. You're kind of just waiting because, you know, it's over. It's a simulated game. Yeah. It's not, I mean, even a simulated game in a major league park is not going to have the same feel as seven o'clock against professional hitters, regardless of whether it's low A, high A or triple A. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. You're, it's a, it's a very valid point. It's, we're, we're to a point now where it's it seems unlikely to look forward a little bit that Joe Ross is going to be able to pitch from the rotation in the postseason, right? I don't know. We'll, I, I don't know. I think he. I, I saw that he might be coming, but he'll probably be uh, coming back this weekend. Ah, all right. Uh, I think I did see that uh, he. I know the Nationals' next three games. I think we have some TBAs. I th- want to say maybe for Sunday, um, and that Joe Ross is the prime contender to take that TBA starter spot. Well, um, that's not bad. Yeah. So, but going forward with Strasburg, not obviously uh, sure what that's going to look like. Getting him in playing shape 
at the end of September, beginning of October. I don't know how that's going to work. That's going to be one of the bigger challenges because you, with an injury like this, you want to make sure he's 100% ready to go, and then you're going to still want to wait a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no question that you're going to want to make sure he's ready, and then you're going to want to really make sure he's ready. You don't. You don't go. Oh, I think he's okay, and then you have him pitching a playoff baseball game. Like that's just not how it's gonna how it's gonna turn out. I don't think. Um, but yeah, the Nationals dodge a bit of a bullet with Strasburg for now, and who knows what it means for later. Um, but hopefully, we get to see him at some point in the postseason because not only do we want it, but so does he and everybody on his team because it's going to make the team so, so, so much better. Yeah, yeah in there. Um, and keeping with the, um, with the pitching rotation, one guy who, you know, we, we, we know that Max Scherzer is incredibly good and he's going to be pitching game one no matter who is available in the first series. But uh, the guy who continues to do all of the things is Tanner Roark. Yeah, it seems like it's come out of nowhere. I know we've discussed previously that he's essentially the pitcher that he was in 2014 when he was a starter, but he's better than that. Yeah, somehow. And he's actually starting to garner some notice. Yeah, people Um, outside of, you know, Washington Nationals fans are paying attention. I caught a little uh, segment on him on MLB Network today, and they were gushing about how just under-the-radar impressive he's been. And I think uh, we're, we started to see a couple weeks ago uh, the Tanner Roark for Gold Glove push with some of the members of the bullpen. and Sean Kelly other... being his campaign manager, which was phenomenal. Exactly. Uh but they, were, they did a, a good chunk on him, and he's got, I think it's nine starts of seven innings of shutout baseball this year. Wow. I think the next closest is Jake Arietta with seven. Yeah, that guy's not too bad either. <laughs> uh, he's in the top five in so many of the big categories that you, know, you really look at. I think he's number two in baseball reference war for pitchers, which – is crazy. Which is really interesting because he's way further down in fan graphs. I want to say he's top five in ERA if you still subscribe to that. I want to say top three, maybe number two in innings pitched. Yeah, he's, and, uh, Tanner Roark is top five NL in ERA, uh, and he is uh, top four in NL in innings pitched. Okay, top four in innings pitched. Um, and then he's number one in putouts as nice. a pitcher. Nice which kind of shows the range a little bit, but he's doing all of this and he's just, it's impressive. He had a one Oh win against the Mets yesterday where the bases were loaded with one out in the first inning and he got out of it unscathed. And for the next six innings, you know what he did was Tanner Roark. (laughs) Yeah. He was Tanner Roark. He gave up just one hit. Wow. Is that right? For the rest of his start. I was, which at, went, I was at the game and didn't even realize that. Yeah, which went seven innings and shut out ball again. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, in that first inning when he was getting lit up, I was just sitting there like, this is not, this is going to be one of those games. You know, he just, and it wasn't like it was, anything was particularly well hit. It was just like, oh, geez. Like, it was immediately bases loaded, and it was in the, in the first inning. You just don't get that feeling. And then Roark does Roark things. I And... I think it was a ground out or a strikeout and a ground out or no strikeout and a pop out. Yeah. It's and to be able to see him recover. Oh, it was, it was that great Bryce Harper sliding catch and foul. Oh, that, that was in the first inning. That was the first. Oh, inning. Yeah. I was looking right down the, the first baseline. He, that was an incredible catch that Harper made. Really, and then really yeah, good. one hit for the next six innings. Wow. Yeah. I did, I knew he was good. I didn't realize quite how good. Pretty impressive. So, uh, I think you're starting to see the snowball go down the mountain with the uh, Tanner Roark uh, publicity. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if it was last week I said I wasn't sure if he was going to get votes, but I think he definitely is going to now. It will be really interesting. If you if you subscribe to, uh, as you said, less – I think there are going to be people who are going to look at 
ERA rankings, and he'll get some buzz here at the end of the year for Gold Glove and be good. And I and I think as a result, there are going to be some guys that are going to go, yeah, uh, some some guys maybe some in the uh, uh, Baseball Writers Association who are going to say, yeah, I'll 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 put a, a vote for him, not a first place vote, but a vote. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. It will be really interesting to see. Yeah, so he's definitely uh, been nothing short of unbelievable this season. And I think the Nationals are paying him somewhere around $550,000. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I just saw, yeah, a half a, I mean, he's making major league minimum, basically. Yeah. As a 29-year-old, they kind of have struggled. And you're right, Craig. He... Uh, by baseball reference, wins above replacement. Uh, Tanner Roark is uh, it. Tanner Roark is second in the National League. Yeah, second in the National League. Behind, I'll give you one guess. Um, Kershaw, Max Scherzer. Seriously. Yeah. So the two best players by wins above replacement, according to Baseball Reference, in the National League are Max Scherzer and Tanner Roark, probably the number one and two pitchers in the National League Division Series for the Nationals. Well, there you go. That's nice. An embarrassment of riches. And then, who knows? <laughs> yeah. After that. And we've got some questions about that, so we'll definitely dig into that. But, yeah, he's uh, very interesting, the differences between wins above replacement by baseball reference and fan graphs, because fan graphs has him 13th in the National League. Yeah. Um, so that it'll be, it would be very interesting if anybody who's listening to the show that, uh, has a better understanding than I do about the differences of wins above replacement formulas between fan graphs and, uh, baseball reference and would like to explain why he, uh, Tanner Roark is, is second on baseball reference and 13th on fan graphs. I would be very interested if you want to break that down. Uh, yeah. So maybe even somebody who writes for us, um, that would be an interesting piece to read. So, for me at least. Uh, speaking of the Mets series, uh, this feels a little different than what the Nationals did in last September's Mets series, doesn't it? Uh, I don't really remember. That's they got long ago. swept. Oh, nice. <laughs> and and ended their season. <laughs> essentially, yeah. Last year, this time around, the Mets were in the boat to like try and find a marginal glimmer of hope by like hopefully sweeping and right, that, that, I mean, that's the only thing did. And still, even if they had swept, they would have I mean, been what seven, even if they had swept, it would have been, I mean, it would have been the magic number. It still would have been 11. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like seven games back. Oh yeah. Seven games back, but the magic number still would have been 11 with, yeah. you know, several weeks left in the year. It would have been right. pretty unlikely to, to see that happen. So uh, 13 magic number 13 would have been 13. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but the Nationals played extremely well against the Mets here. Uh, they did kind of what they needed to. They, the the one nothing game yesterday, Wednesday, um, that I was at was incredibly entertaining. I mean, it was just... It, it's the old school baseball of like... Pitching. It was a quick one, too. It was quick. Like, pitching matchups were awesome. And um, not a lot of offense. Ramos killed the ball. But it was... To be able to watch those teams and to look at the Mets and see the situation they're in and compared to, like I said, where the Nationals were last year, it's, it, it really is nice when you can put yourself in a situation and be on the other side of that. Oh, yeah. Can <laughs> I fun fact you real quick? Yeah. Uh, the Nationals have two 1-0 wins this season, both of them Tanner Roark with home runs by Wilson Ramos. Nice. Fun nice. fact right there. It, almost like uh, Ramos goes, hey. Uh, you've been pitching really well, and I want to help you out. And, and good to see Ramos uh, pimp everything ever. It's it's so 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 good. I absolutely love watching him pimp a home run. Although I'm pretty sure I enjoyed watching Anthony Rendon pimp his more. Uh, but <laughs> when he hit that home run on, I guess it was Tuesday night, and he hit that home run after Bryce Harper had just been walked in front of him intentionally walked and he hit that thing and Anthony Rendon is like very put my head down I'm gonna run around the bases kind of guy he he watched that one longer than I've ever seen him watch anything yeah. and it was awesome I love seeing that uh, but Wilson Ramos is the king of pimping a home run 
Yes, yes, he is. He's very good at it. And he also is so slow that it takes him so long to run the bases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it was it was a fantastic series. The Nationals played, uh, I guess, the best way I could explain it would be, like, professional baseball. It was, they got the job done. They did what they needed to do. It wasn't necessarily super flashy. Right. But they just got the job done. I, I know I'm looking back to... Um, years later with a, a certain tint of glasses, but I don't remember many series feeling that way, no matter when they were. Even the the year where the Nationals won 96 games under Matt Williams, I don't remember any series feeling that way under Matt Williams. Yeah. Do you, like... Do, I know again. It's we're looking back with a certain tint of glasses, not certainly not rose colored by any in any way. Mm. Um, I just never felt like with Matt Williams running the team that the Nationals ever gave that feeling in any series, no matter the importance. Like, oh yeah, they've got this. Like, I think I think there have been a few. The Nationals have made a few runs this season, um, and all of them, uh, I should say, are from this season where uh, the Nationals would give up a couple runs early. And you would feel like, okay, we're not out of this game. Yeah, right. I mean, we're going to win this game. It's it's a given. Yeah. It was okay, very... so we're down 2 nothing, but yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, and no I, worries. you're right. That's happened several times this year. And I, I it certainly happened under Davey Johnson as well. I remember that. I remember a lot of that. I mean, a lot of it happened in 2012. Um, but to see the Nationals be able to, to do that, and I think there's a huge factor there for for Dusty Baker. I mean, I think he's been a huge influence uh, to kind of the demeanor that he represents and the players appreciate. It's Yeah, it's, and I saw that the players are actually dedicating the next couple games to him. Oh, that's uh, nice. Who missed uh, Wednesday afternoon's game, uh, Death in the Family, and I'm not sure if he's going to be missing more. I would not be surprised. Right. Um, because, well, the division is wrapped up. Yeah, it'd be be with your family if you need to, if that's where you need to be. That's the important part, especially in, like you said, things are it's just technicalities at this point, basically. Um, on what day, on what day they clinch? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I think Dusty's had a huge difference. One thing I do want to talk about a little bit though is uh, the one nothing game uh, on on Wednesday when. Uh, you know, Ramos hit the home run late in the game, put the Nationals on top, and it was just, it was yet another game uh, where Mark Melanson pitched. Yeah. Um, at it, it feels like they just replaced uh, Rivera with Melanson and are using him just as often. Uh, he's just, Melanson is pitching in situations he doesn't need to be pitching, which we talked about. It's, it might be a good thing because he's being warmed up, but at the same time, I mean, he pitched. He he's pitched September ninth, tenth, eleventh, thirteenth, and fourteenth. Right. I mean, at some point, you're gonna have to. And he's pitched well outside of the home run that he gave up on uh, on Tuesday night to. And in, that's gonna in the tenth happen. Inning. That's gonna happen to anybody. It's he's been so good. He gave up that home run, and his ERA went up like a tenth of a point, and is still well below two. I mean, he's incredibly good, but. At some point, especially down the stretch here, maybe they're just trying to get up over the hump and then they're going to use some other guys. But at some point, you can't keep using him in every safe situation. <laughs> when yeah, you've got to give his arm some rest. I don't know too much about Melanson's history. I'd have to go and look. Uh, maybe this is the kind of pitcher he is. Maybe this is the kind of pitcher he wants to be. Uh, and it also could be a situation where uh, that's where you want him and get through that series and okay, yeah, it's time to give him a little bit of a break. Uh, give him, you know, not necessarily in the, the big situations as much. And I know it was leading into an off day, and that kind of probably played a factor. That's a good and point. That's a good also point. the fact that Dusty Baker wasn't there. Yeah, which is which definitely makes a difference. It's Chris Spire making that decision, right? Um, not Dusty Baker. And so, you know, Spire knows how often he's been used, but it's a different Every person has a different decision-making process. So right, and I, I, I want to say that Chris Beyer actually uh, said he had made a mistake to, uh, during the game yesterday, but I can't remember what it was. I might be making that up. That might be another pitcher. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, 
I'm just not remembering right now. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of things that went into play and it might just be, Hey, this is our last big series of the season. And if we ice this series, if we get this one Oh win, then things look much different, you know, 10 game lead as opposed to an eight game lead or whatever it was. Right. I'm to be able to look at a double digit lead in mid September though. It's, it gives you a different feel <laughs> than as like even than a four or five game lead, which is still huge. Right. But to, to look at a double digit lead, you just go, yeah, that's, it's, it's nice to be able to look and go, yeah, that's over. You know, it's just a whole different feeling than even, you know, I guess in 2000, was it four, 14 or was it 12 where they won by like 17 games? I don't remember which one, but like, that's a whole different level, but it's, it, it's good that it's remained competitive through this point, but I, I would hope to see guys like Melanson get a little extra time off. I did hear on the broadcast recently i don't remember if it was the radio or the tv broadcast um that talked about how uh it must have been the radio because it was smart um it they talked about how melanson was never is rarely if ever used in pittsburgh in non-save situations um how he was almost never used in even in like 10th inning at home uh in a tie game he wasn't used he was used in the ninth inning or when your team is up by three runs or less at the, in the last inning of the game. And he, so it's a different thing and having to be, having to adjust to being used in different situations here, whether or not he wanted to be or not is a whole different conversation, which we can't really know, but he's done well in all of those situations. The nationals over the last four years or so have dealt with closers who've come into late games that aren't save situations that um, they've not performed to the same level as when it is a safe situation like you know uh, jonathan papelbon drew storen um or maybe the anti-drew storen now that i think of it um rafael soriano um so it, it's interesting to see a guy just go okay yep these are my outs that i'm going to get i don't care where they are i don't care if it's a three-run game or a two-run game or a six-run game and this is just my job and i'm gonna pitch and i'm gonna be good at it and it's nice to see it's nice to see. It is. Um, do you want to talk about uh, AJ Preller? Yeah, yeah. Joe doesn't know what's going on with this. No, I don't. Um, do you remember uh, at the trade deadline when the Padres traded, um, I believe it was uh, Andrew Kashner? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, and there was that whole hullabaloo with the Marlins where they sent pretty much a defective player. Oh, yeah. And they had to send him back. Right. Well, it turns out the Padres have not been complying with MLB's uh, disclosure. Uh, Major League Baseball has a system set up that if you prescribe any sort of medication, if you're treating any sort of player with any sort of injury, illness, anything like that, you have to report it to the this MLB central database. I forget what it's called exactly. Um, but the average uh, by the all-star break of, you know, inputs to this system per team is usually around 60. 60 items before, uh, you know, things they've diagnosed players with or DL stuff or anything like that. Uh, it's usually the average is 60. The Padres were below 10. Wow. This year. They uh, apparently weren't reporting oral medications, uh, treating for any injury that essentially didn't need to go on the DL. Um, the same issue happened with Drew Pomerantz right. in the Red Sox trade. They, he was being treated for something that wasn't disclosed uh, prior to the trade. Um, and essentially how this works is when a trade gets far enough along, the – two teams have access to this database uh, to see the players in question and what they've been treated for. And so when the other teams trading with the Padres saw, oh, he hasn't been treated for anything. Oh, he's fine. Great. No problem. We're, we have no problems with this. Uh, and then find out when the player arrives, oh, actually, I've been taking this, this, and this, and I've been treating for that. Wow. Um, so AJ Preller was suspended for 30 days for Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, the 
to to go on like you're not wow yeah you're yeah. not true and how do you think how do you oh, think that's not he pleaded gonna... he pleaded ignorance too like how do you do that i don't like I, <laughs> as an organization you're giving a player medication for any number of things or you know a player is being prescribed medication for any number of things you're going to trade that player that player is going to another organization is going to say yeah i need these things <laughs> Yep. Like, there's no, you're not getting away with it. Yeah, and it was, oh, I, I certainly had no ill intent or anything like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, well, considering that happened, and then, was it Colin Ray that got sent back? Colin Ray that got sent back, yeah. yeah. Like, so you have two players that... For defective goods. That Two players that you know about. Yeah. Well, that's pretty bad. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Well, good for Major League Baseball for... Dropping the hammer. That's a big suspension. I mean, it yeah. doesn't really matter I, for... I didn't know Dodgers, GMs but. could be suspended. Wasn't Marge Schott suspended? Oh, my God. Well, she was an owner. Yeah, I, well... Yeah, and yeah. also a Nazi. Yeah, she was a crazy person. But... Like, I'm not even saying that in jest. She no, was a yeah, legitimate yeah. Nazi. Yeah, she was a pretty bad person. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Very interesting. Marge Schott loved Rob Dibble, though. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know about Marge Schott, I think. Yes, it does. Oh. Uh, the worst uh any other things you want to hit before we get into our our uh uh basket of questions oh excellent (laughs) it is the opposite of deplorable (laughs) it is the opposite of deplorable Uh, our answers will be though (laughs) oh yeah well the questions are good it just sets us up for pretending to be smart yeah so questions let's do it all right uh, first Insert question. question music. Yeah, I know. We're, I think that's actually coming at some point in the in the future. Our our very wonderful music person is currently computerless. He tells us, uh, so we will we might be able to get that here pretty soon, uh, which I will look forward to. Uh, the first question we have from Thirty Four's Pompadour: uh, True or false? The Nash, the Nats should promptly go with Murphy Turner. Uh, Murphy at first base, Turner at second base, Revere in center field instead of Zimmerman at first base, Murphy at second base, Turner in center field. I really like this. It's a good. It's a good question. I really like this. We got some really good questions on this vein yep. uh, recently, or at least this week, and I really like this setup. Um, I love Trey Turner in center field. I really do. Yeah. Um, but I think right now Zimmerman's bat is hurting the Nationals more than. The difference between the defensive setup, okay, with him not being in there, does that make sense? Yeah. So you're saying true, they should make that change. I think they should make that change. I think the offensive benefits outweigh the negatives that would happen from defense. Uh, I'm going to say false uh, for two reasons. Reason number one is I don't know that what you're getting from Revere is that much better right now. Uh, he's also not been great this year. That's true. And so yeah, putting Revere in center field certainly is passable defensively, although he's got a noodle arm. But he's and I, I also but I uh, a counterpoint. Revere's also not going to be hitting fifth or sixth. Yeah, a very good point. Well, Zimmerman's hitting seventh. Okay, so he's he was he's been hitting seventh lately. Um, and the the other reason I'm saying false is I'm not saying that the question was should promptly go with. I'm not saying that shouldn't be what happens in the playoffs. I'm saying that right now, give him a chance. Yeah. Because what does it cost you? Because it's over. Yeah. Um, so that's the reason I'm, I'm saying that. Now, if you're asking should they consider that, uh, you know, a week before the season ends, once it's clinched up, if Zimmerman's still not hitting to prepare that lineup for the playoffs, yeah, they should consider doing that. But today, I don't think they should. That's fair. Yeah. But I think that it's something that, I mean, I, I like that idea a lot. And I know there are some people out there that are going to say, well, why don't you have Murphy at second, Trey in center, and then put Clint Robinson at first base? I think there's a chance playing matchups that Clint Robinson is going to get postseason starts. I think that would also be a very bad decision. I think it would be too, but I think he might get those starts. Clint, do you know how many extra base hits Clint Robinson has since the All-Star break? Uh-oh. Is the answer zero? The answer is zero. Oh, boy, that's bad. Yeah. That's bad. 
I think Zimmerman even has more. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, yeah. oh, I hate that that's an insult. Okay. Well, it's like my Trey Turner. Oh, that was a great, that was a great tweet. Yeah, Trey Turner has 29 multi-hit games this season in, I want to say, 59, 59 games. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman has, I want to say, 106, 107 games. And Ryan Zimmerman has 18 multi-hit games. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty yeah. bad. Also, Trey Turner is amazing. I can't yeah. believe we got this far in the show without saying how amazing Trey Turner is. He's real good. He's real good. Yeah. Uh, I hope you can keep it going for another month and a half. Um, from uh, Ryan Sullivan of NatsGM.com, he wants to know, A, what are you drinking? I am drinking water with berry pomegranate mio in it nice um because of said migraine and narcotics indeed so i have in the fridge many beers that i really want to drink but i really really don't want to drink right now that's they will be there they're not going anywhere on you i'm uh having my seasons first schlafly pumpkin ale oh excellent cracked it for the show Oh, beautiful. Yes, and it is just as good as it could possibly be. Did it have the beautiful St. Louis FC cap? It did not. It was not one of the new ones uh, with the new cap. Uh, The real uh, real questions from Ryan are, uh, uh, what will you be drinking when the Nats clinch, and is Ryan Zimmerman the starting first baseman in 2017? Um, what will I be drinking when they clinch? I would say right now, um, probably some type of Oktoberfest. I have many of those, uh, stashed away as the weather has changed into beautiful fall today. Yes, it was very lovely. Um, so I would say something like that. I don't have something special for the occasion. Uh, I think for occasion beers would have to be saved for bigger events. Yes, I agree. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't really have a, a beer for that. So, is Ryan's actually? I missed another question from Ryan. So, the first is Ryan Zimmerman, uh, the starting first baseman in twenty seventeen. That's a good question. Very good. I, I, it's probably yes. Should it be? Probably not. Yes, I think he is the starting first baseman in twenty seventeen. But I don't. I also think. I I think the the Nationals are going to look more at the free agent and trade market than people think. Yeah. To fill that spot. They're not going to replace him with Clint Robinson. No. But um, they might replace him for a bigger name. Yes, I uh I would like Joey Votto. Yeah, yeah. He's I don't like him as a person particularly, but I I, I yeah. I, I would care. really like him to be in the lineup. Yeah. Oh, uh, it'd be really good. Harper uh, Murphy Votto. Actually, it'd probably be Votto, Harper, Murphy. Boing. Yeah, because uh, Votto's just going to get on base, and uh, then Harper's going to get on base, then Murphy's just going to be Murphy. All he does is hit. And the other question from Ryan Sullivan, who closes in 2017? Uh, someone outside of the organization. Yeah, I don't think anybody in the or- I don't think anybody in the organization, unless someone in the front office likes Mark Melanson to pay him a lot of money. Right. Um, but I, uh, other than maybe, that... Maybe I'll say... Uh, that someone who wasn't in the organization prior to July. Fair enough. First. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, Fang wants to know, in honor of Wilson's bat flip slash drop, what is the best bat flip that you've seen live or on TV across all levels of baseball? It's Joey Bats. Yeah, Joey Bat. That it's the best bat flip of all time. It, there's, I don't think there's the the half runner up is the one that uh, Yasiel Puig had a huge bat flip against the Nationals, uh, I don't know, maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago, um, in which he, I mean, he paused and threw the bat in the air, and it was a routine fly out to Denard's ban. Uh, like, I think... Like 40 feet short of the track. Oh, that was the one that everyone picked up. That was the one that yeah, Jonah Carey picked it up. Yes. It, yeah, it went, went big. But that was, I just love that for the, the comedy factor. But in terms of real bat flips, the the... The huge home run in uh, the uh, NLDS, ALDS last last year. Yeah, I think it was American League. Yeah, well, it was definitely American. League. Um, I, uh, you know, who used to have a great bat flip, and I'm kind of dating myself. Who? Brett Boone. Nice. Yeah, that is dating. That's yeah. very dating yourself. It was He's, great. I don't remember. It was just a little wrist flick. Yeah. Oh, nice. 
It was just the, and it was like every at bat, you know, just a little get a hit, do a little flick. Also, nice. honorable mention in the organization, Jason Wirtz' bat throw is great. Like yeah. he he has that swing, and when he knows he does something good, he just kind of like throws the bat and like lets his hands fly open. I kind of love that. But. Yeah. Uh, Ryan McGill wants to know with the Dodgers uh, first ra- round opposite for playoffs. I'm having trouble reading the wording of this question. Uh, how bad Dodgers are versus left-hand pitching is Gio a lock for game two or three if they're playing the Dodgers? Uh, is Gio a lock if for, they play the Dodgers because they're terrible against lefties? That's the question. Uh, I don't think he's a lock by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd say the probability would go up. I think the probability goes up uh, mostly because I think Dusty really pays attention to that. And once again, Gio is Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde and had a really good start this week. Right. And that that is the most terrifying thing about a pitcher in the playoffs. That to me, like I would rather somebody be consistent with a, you know, a 3.5 ERA than inconsistent and, you know, some days not be able to get out of the fourth inning and some games going six. You know, that's it's really a scary concept, but I, I still, we talked about it last week. I, I still think that Gio makes the playoffs and I, the playoff roster. And I think he probably is the third starter if Strasburg's not around for the first series. Um, I think that seems likely. Uh, Fang wants to know, let's say you're the MLB commission commissioner, AKA the King of baseball. How would you restructure the MLB playoffs? Oh, I'm sorry. Would you restructure the MLB playoffs? And if so, how? And I totally haven't answered this question. The only restructuring I would do would be less off days. Yeah, so mine builds off of uh, last week when I said end baseball regular season earlier. Yeah. Um, so I would restructure it to have the the season end, you know, maybe September 24th or 25th, and then have the the wild card game be a three game three games back to back nights then a day off and then one night if you need the third game and then uh to end at the end of September so that would be the wild card and then one off day before the division series start on the same day uh for a five game division series and then go on from there so that's what I I would make the wild card part of September not part of October because no and also, I think I, one game, also terrible. I think I'd probably make it a seven-game division series. I, that would be the... I would, I would like to make that change. I, I didn't look closely enough to, make it the number, yeah. to look at the numbers, but I would prefer to do less, like less off days, as you said, obviously, yeah. and make it a seven-game series as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Jane also says... Replied to that tweet and said, a fewer days between games, which I knew we would agree with, so I favored it yeah. as well. Uh, Steve wants to know if you could change one rule and only one rule in baseball, what would you change? Goodness. That's, it's a big question. We, we could, we could take that to a, to a place where we have more time if we really need to. Yeah. I really didn't have a lot of time to think about this is, and this is one I liked. Yeah. It's a really, really good question. I just, yeah, I want to dedicate more time to it than, than this. Maybe we'll make yeah. it part of a, a future show. Um, I'll make a note of that. Uh, the Dan wants to know from his wonderful bag of questions. Uh, which Nats player would you put in charge of your bachelor party? Money is not a factor. That's a good question. Um, which player would I want in charge of my bachelor party? Gosh, uh, Jason Worth. That's definitely the answer. Yeah. There's no doubt that that's the answer. I, I never considered, as soon as I saw this question, I was like, oh, it's Jason Worth. Yeah. Obviously. There's like no doubt that that's the answer. Uh, Jude wants to know, of those players that will become free agents next year, who will remain a Nat? I've got one. Why don't you say yours? Wilson Ramos. I hope so. Yeah. I think he comes back for sure. Yeah. Because there's really no other choices. Yeah, and who else is... uh... I don't... He's the first one that came to mind because I know he's a free agent. Uh, Uh, Mark Melanson, obviously. Yeah. Um just going off the top of my head not a whole lot of guys leaving this year that i can think of yeah because i think Steven we both Drew agreed maybe? that geo would probably stay i think or, Gio's staying yeah or the the pick up the option and then Dino. yeah 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 um yeah fun uh, good question 
a couple more, a couple questions here from the Dan. What's your favorite mustard spanning all brands and types? Bonus points if I can get it at a grocery store or restaurant. I don't have a specific mustard. You've that just is my to come favorite. around to the mustard. I have. I, I have just come around to mustard, and I do not like yellow mustard. Yes. I like, I like all other mustards except yellow. Um, I like a good stone ground mustard I with a pretzel. Very grainy mustards. I'm grainy also. mustard yeah. with a pretzel. Yeah. Uh, me too. Also a big fan of the horse, horse radish mustards. Oh yeah, that's also always good. I don't have a particular brand though. But no, I, I like a I like a, a spicy mustard. Yeah. I like yeah. one oh, that's yeah, going to clear the sinuses. Yes, yeah, me too. I like a I like a good kick to the mustard. Uh, next question from the Dan: What is the percentage chance that the Nets win the pennant? And to be clear, some people call the pennant winning the division. That is not what the pennant Wait. is. Uh, are are we talking playoff pennant? Kind of Pen- the, the, the National League, I assume he means. Okay. Um, I'd say the Nationals' chances right now are somewhere around... Hold on. I'm doing some quick back-of-the-napkin math in my head. Nice. Um, somewhere around 25%. I was going to say 30 So, yeah, yeah I, I think you're probably right. Probably right there. The, the things that... I, I tweeted about this this week, and... Um, it's something that really bothers me, like how someone FP did this. How someone can so casually look at a at playoff teams and go. Uh, FP said the only I, the only challenge I see for the Nationals without to make it to the World Series is to get through the Dodgers, and that's just stupid. That's the dumbest thing. I've <laughs> it ever is heard. dumb because the Cubs are having like a preposterously good season. I think they're actually going to clinch playoffs tonight. Yeah, I mean it's insane how good the Cubs are. Um, and they keep doing it, and their lineup is stacked, and their pitching is incredible. Their starting pitching is great. Their bullpen is great. Their offense—I mean, their defense is great. They're young. They're, it's crazy how good they are. Um, and then, anyway, are you, I, I still don't want to face the Mets in the championship series if they make the postseason. I still don't want to face the Giants if they make the postseason in the in, in the championship series. Yeah, and here's the thing: it's it's hard. Yeah, it's it's hard to win like. What, what do you have to win? Uh, 12 out of... Is it 12? 11, 11 games out yeah. of... The math. I'm doing the math in my head. 19, 11 out of 19 games. Like That's really hard to do in order to win a World Series. So, yeah, I get, and you're facing the teams in the playoffs, the teams that have proved themselves most over the last 162 games. Over the longest season in professional sports. So, so. it's... It's not going to be easy, and there's no easy route, even for the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs had one of the best seasons ever. Look at the the Seattle Mariners back when they won 116, 117 games. They lost in the first round, I think, to the Yankees. Well, and I, I, that's what I was going to say. I put the Nationals at 30%, 25 30% rate where you are. I would I would put the Cubs at maybe 35 <laughs> I would put the Cubs at 40 Okay, so, but we're not talking that, like, the Cubs have a 50% chance because they're going to win 100 games. Like, that's not right. how it works. Um, it's really hard to win. Uh, uh, I think the last question from the Dan uh, here, at least for a while. Did you know that John Feng finds it annoying... AF that I base seat purchases on uh, in part on how close the section is to his house. And I would do the same thing, Dan. I I would try to minimize my steps in the ballpark. I don't think I would do that. No, I don't think it's crazy or annoying or anything. Yeah. I mean, but I would, I would, I would definitely want to sit by the center field gate if I was there because, or on that, in that section, because why not? Makes it awesome. I don't know. I would want to spend as much time as possible. Yeah. You live there though. Eh, it's still the baseball. Nah, that's fair. Still in that part. Uh, Ryan Jones asks, assuming he doesn't turn it around, does Zimmerman make the postseason roster? We didn't. We we talked about it. We didn't answer this question directly, though. Yeah, I I don't think there's any way you leave him off, uh, deserving or not. Uh, there is a one hundred percent chance that if he is not on the disabled list, Ryan Zimmerman is making the playoff roster. The better question, I guess, would be, do you think he deserves to be on the roster? I. I think performance-wise, I think performance-wise, there are there are more valuable pieces to be in the everyday lineup, and there are more valuable pieces on the bench. So I would say that he probably is not worthy by performance. Yeah, and that makes me want to die. Yeah, but I think it's definitely true. 
Uh, Frank wants to know how you're feeling. Uh, I'm alive. It's better than anything else, really. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Uh, uh, the Frenchie Bros asked a question, but I don't know what it is. Uh, so, uh, where is Lucy Petunia, and why isn't she here yet? And will she be here in time? Her favorite player is J-Dub, and I'm excited. Okay, bye. Is, okay. Is what the Frenchie Bros say. Lucy Petunia is another Frenchie. I, I, I did know that. And uh, I think there's a sleepover. Oh, how cute. Um, Fang, a couple questions here from Fang. Uh, if the Raiders... We just need to save all of his questions. For like a a chunk, right? For like, we just need to have a Fang episode. Yeah, we... Or, you know, we could have him on the show. Yeah, we're gonna have him on the show. to do that. It is happening, we're not making that up. Um, Fang asked if the Raiders are leaving Oakland Coliseum. Do you think the Oakland A's are going to move out as well? The A's want to move out. I mean, They've wanted to move out forever. It's a bad place for baseball. Yes, Rob Manfred is not helping the situation. I think they've been in talks with San Jose for four years to try and get there, but MLB is being MLB and dragging their feet. So Yeah. Well, maybe if they're the only resident of that bad place, then it'll help them get out. Yeah. Uh, and Feng also asked, what is the most random item you own that is Nats-themed? What is the most random item you'd like to own that is Nats-themed? I don't think I have anything super random. Uh, I don't have that many random things either. All my stuff kind of makes sense. I I do have a personalized Nets authentic jersey. I do as well. It's not random, but it is no. awesome. Uh, I have a flag. I have a couple flags. Yeah, I don't think any of them are... Anything that you'd like to own that you don't? Um, All of the things. Yeah, me too. I don't have a good answer for this one, unfortunately. Uh, Kit wants to know... Uh, I don't know what that is saying <laughs> i can't read today, it was apparently. so poetic it's very poetic and i don't read poetry well but it's a really good poetry thing you want to read it no because i don't have it in front of me okay uh back to fang's question and then maybe while you're answering it i could read it and see if i can get my wits about me uh the nats tell you to design a custom hot dog describe what type of dog how to top it and what type of bun etc it's gonna have a potato roll nice always with a potato roll and it's gonna be one of those like it's okay. Explicit tag. Oh damn it! We made it so far. It's. I don't like a thick wiener. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, not we, as bad as I expected. Can okay. we isolate that? Yeah, no. Uh, I don't like one of those hot dogs that's just so unnecessarily large. <laughs> I want it to be a standard standard-sized dog that fits nicely in the bun. I, I want to make sure it's end-to-end on the bun, though. Yes, end-to-end on the bun, but it's got to be the right dog-to-bun ratio. Yeah, so no, often, So oftentimes you have the incredibly thick wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the rails? Oh, they're gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then chili. Nice, okay. And... I'm not talking like water chili. No, yeah, yeah, some some hearty stuff. I'm not talking soup. I'm talking like thick chili. Yeah. With a little heat to it. Yep. Some cheese. Yep. Some like shredded cheese, not like a nacho cheese. Oh, and don't get me wrong, I love a nacho cheese on a chili cheese dog. But I want like uh, some shredded cheese. And then some raw onion. Nice. Raw oh. onion. To get a little, uh, to get a little texture. That's a good dog. And maybe if, maybe, just maybe, uh, some not crushed, but crunched up Fritos on top. Ooh. Oh, I want that hot dog now. Yeah. I'm going to say I want that one because I want to move on to the next one. There we go. Uh, thoughts about a domed stadium, uh, about domed baseball, Fang wants to know. Domed baseball is interesting. I grew up in domed baseball yes, at the did. Kingdom. I you'd have an opinion on this. Um, it's a strange atmosphere. Yeah. It's very sterile. Yeah. Um, I think baseball is meant to be outdoors, but I do believe that retractable roofs are wonderful. And important in, in various geographies for various reasons. Uh, Arizona, Florida, yeah. Texas. Uh, Minnesota. 
I mean, they yeah. don't do it anymore, but it it would be good probably. Right. <laughs> if they ever make the playoffs again. Um, but baseball is meant to be outdoors. I don't mind a dome, but um, I prefer not. I don't mind a dome where necessary. I don't want just a dome to be plopped down in a place where it's not necessary. And for the most part in baseball, that doesn't happen. Uh, the retractable roof is great if they could figure out how to do it right, uh, unlike in Miami. Um, yeah, a couple of questions from, uh, a few questions from Dan Guzman. First one being, uh, who makes up the Nationals playoff rotation right now? So we, let's, let's lock it in here. Uh, Scherzer. Yep. Roark. Yep. Geo. Yep. And then Ross. Ah, okay. Uh, I will do those, the first three I would agree with, um, and I think that there's a chance that that's all that there will be in yeah. the first. Uh, yeah, round. Ross is in parentheses. Yeah, uh, if they need a fourth, uh, if yeah, I don't know if they need a fourth. I'm gonna say AJ Cole. Wow. Okay. I think I think he's proven his performance more than the other two young guys, uh, in being uh, Lopez and uh, and Gilito. So I think it would be AJ Cole actually. Nice. Uh, over the last five seasons, would you rather have three division titles with no playoff series wins or one NL pennant and nothing else? Really, I think, I'd, I think I'd rather have the pennant. I would definitely rather have the pennant. Yeah. <laughs> no question. I'd rather, yeah, definitely. Over five years, a pennant is something. That is something legitimate. I would rather have that for sure. Yeah. Um, so right now, who are your playoff team predictions in both leagues? From um, let me pull up my standings. Yep. Just so I'm not super off on this. Let's see. I think the Nationals are going to win the NL East. Yep. I think the Cubs are going to win the NL Central. I'm going out on a limb. Yep. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. I think the Dodgers are going to win the West. Yep. And I think the wild card is going to be the Giants and the Cardinals. You think the Mets are going to drop off, huh? I think I don't. I don't know if the Mets are going to drop off as much as the Cardinals are just going to beat them out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's half a game. Yeah. They're. I mean, they're all right there. It's all very close. All very yeah. close. Uh, what about your uh, your NL? I I think I'm guessing Mets, divisions are the same. I the divisions are the same. I, I think Giants and Mets. I, I, think, I do think the Mets are going to make it. Okay. But other than, I think that it's going to be close. I think we're going to be talking about it like in early October. We don't know who it's going to be yet. I think it's going to be like that half game, that like one game win towards the end. I think it'll be really close. Um, I think the East is, or excuse me, the AL is pretty much set the way it is. Boston winning the East, Cleveland winning the Central, Texas uh, winning the West, and then the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Nice. Um, I it's hard for me to disagree because I don't watch too much AL baseball. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. it those are the five teams. Whether yeah. whether Baltimore ends up winning the East, I think that's a there's a chance that happens. But uh, other than that, you know, I think that those five teams are the five teams that are gonna make it for sure. Yeah. Um, and then if you've answered all those questions, Dan wants to know. Just tell us what your uh, favorite garbage TV guilty pleasure is. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I think everyone knows I'm a fan of House Hunters. Indeed. Uh, and I love the tiny house shows. And I believe uh, I have a plan with our, our good friend, Minnesota Nicer, Beth, uh, to start a Nationals tiny house commune. <laughs> nice. Um, that's going to be everyone's invited. You just have to have a tiny house. And then we'll we'll get one of those like inflatable giant TV things that you can buy from like Sky Mall. <laughs> That's like twenty five feet projection on an inflatable thing, and we'll just watch the Nats all the time. One hundred and sixty two times a year. Or Plus we'll just house. or we'll just put it up on the side of one of our tiny houses. There you go. But that screen's not gonna be big enough. House is too small. Well, I don't know. We'll make it work. Yeah, so uh, I don't have cable. 
Um, yeah. So I don't really have a guilty damn millennials television show. However, I love everything HGTV. Yeah, <laughs> I love that network. When I had cable, it would be on. Have like, you thought about getting a? Uh, what is it? A sling box? I'm, I'm going to, in all likelihood, for this hockey season. Uh, I want to say it's what, like forty bucks to get, it's, and then ten dollars for a sports package. So the the twenty five dollars Sling TV option, the Sling Blue option, is yeah. going to have Comcast Sportsnet Mid Atlantic starting wow. next month. So I'm thinking about adding that for Caps and Wizards, and I'm not going to do an uh, NHL TV subscription this year. Wow. So then I will have uh, all of my guilty pleasure HGTV back, and so I yes. will for at least, at least for hockey season. So I'm thinking about that being my hockey solution for a while, so I don't have to engineer one. Nice for once. Um, Just give me a la carte. That's all I really. I know. Want. Me too. It's never going to happen. At least not for a while. Uh, every cable network, uh, cable company owns ESPN way too much freaking money. Yeah. Way too much money. Um, yeah, so that's it for the questions this week, I believe, it looks like. Uh, anything else that you want to add, Craig, before we wrap up episode 134 of Nat's Talk on Vigo? I cannot. Uh, what episode number? 134. Nice. Yeah, we're getting up there. Uh, well, I guess that's going to do it for this episode of Nat's Talk on the go. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk a little bit on the other side of the music, but until then, we'll talk to you guys next time. When are we getting out? Thanks for listening to Nat's Talk on the go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash specialops. You can contact the guys at natstalkonthego on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!